Hello, welcome to the Homegirl Podcast. This is your host, Abby Cornelius, and I am so excited to have my first guest of 2023, Miss Reina Estrada. Hi, Reina. Hi, Abby. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here with you. I am so excited to have you. So uh, I'm going to let Raina introduce herself just a little bit, but I do want to give you a teaser of what's in store for us here on the podcast today. So Raina and I have been chatting over the last couple months, and she actually had the honor to speak at the International Builder Show. And so I loved her topic so much, and I think it's so important and so relevant today that I wanted to bring it on the podcast, and she graciously obliged. But before we dig into what you shared at the International Builder Show, can you just tell us a little bit about you? Uh, how long you've been in the industry, who you work for, all that good stuff. Yes, happy to share. Uh, my name is Raina Estrada. I live in North Carolina and have worked and working with MI Homes as a national internet sales manager. Um, as far as the industry is almost 20 years um, from a little bit of closing, you know, contracts to marketing to online sales, where I spend more most of the time serving our home buyers uh, with MI Homes. Um, I'm married. I have two beautiful girls there. Um, 18 and 19, some college students, um, and the industry has seen them grow in our family as well. That's awesome. We both have two little girls. It's it's the it's the girl mom tribe today. <laughs> but I am not ready for 18 and 19. I'll keep my uh, eight and five for the time being. <laughs> so Raina, uh, we'll just kind of hop right into it. If you want to get your slide pulled up, uh, Raina had the, um, like, like I said, the honor of being at the International Bureau Show, and she was on a panel with three different ladies talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion in the home building industry. And Raina specifically had um, to, to speak to selling to diverse cultures. And I think that that's um, such an important topic for us to dig into, but who better than Miss Raina to tell her story and why she is the expert on being able to educate the masses on selling to diverse cultures. So Raina, take it away. Thanks, Abby. I think it's definitely something that is on my heart. Bride has an immigrant uh, a Latino homeowner in the U.S. and also a servant leader in the home building industry, just to share my story, but also just some facts of the second minority's largest group in the U.S. and how companies can make an impact when serving uh, or home buyers. Um, so just to tell you a little bit about my story, my family moved here about 25 years ago from Honduras in Central America. Um, we, after surviving from a natural disaster, Hurricane Mitch, my mom decided to pick up my siblings and I uh, just looking for a safe place uh, to call home and that I have resources and future opportunities. And I'm so thankful she did. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here telling, you know, a little bit of that story. But at the age of 13, it was definitely shocking um, a little bit because I was upset of living everybody behind everything I knew behind and starting all over at that age. And it was scary too at that age to make friends when you were not speaking the language and getting adjusted to a new culture. Um, so it was a lot of, you know, definitely mixed emotions of learning the culture, learning a new language, making new friends in that middle high school age um, that you become the, the family, you know, translator as well. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I remember struggling with my mom, though, she was a single parent. And every year, because she came here with nothing in her hands, just what she had on, uh, 
we were moving apartment to apartment every year. I just didn't know why, but it was just, you know, she was working on making ends meet, right? So right after high school, I had to enter the workforce um, to help support my family. And by faith, at that age, right after high school and taking classes at a community college, I entered the home building industry, which is one of the most rewarding industries that you know of, uh, and we all agree. So that just opened um, just many doors because at the age of 19, I was able to purchase and build a home, which it was that safe place that my family needed, um, right? as the intangible, what that structure offer for my family. Um, I love how North Carolina is very similar to Honduras, about the same size of population is like 10 million. Uh, and we border with, you know, with the ocean and the mountains and everything, even though it's 3000 miles apart, North Carolina um, has been home for us since um, 2000. I want to share you a, a little bit here. Oh, let's see. My screen is not going to the next slide. I do <laughs> not. Let me see if I can move it. Let's see. There it is. There we go. Oh, okay. look at that cute Oh, thing. yeah. Just want to share a photo of my family. Right. If you're seeing this recording, you will see a family of my two daughters, definitely your dog. And as we were building and just wanted to share with you what that intangible means for us, right? We wanted a place for my family to gather and be comfortable um, have that shelter, have that security where we could celebrate our traditions. Um, definitely the family has been the second oldest of 10. I became. That like, is so crazy. The second oldest of 10. You were, you were a second mom, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, I became, I inherited that role of the second mother, right? In the family. And, you know, hospitality is one of the things that we value in the Hispanic community, right? Our core values are faith family and friends. So we're always hosting events for our family. So I'm going to show you too, just for those that are listening, we have probably all of my siblings are here in North Carolina, uh, nieces and nephews. So we, that time with the family, just because everybody else is back home as well, cousins, aunts and uncles, we gather a lot and we, you know, value that time together. Oh my gosh. We <laughs> you know, that is definitely, you see the photo and you see a lot of people as those are all my, my family that live here in North Carolina. And one of the things is that Hispanic community, the Latino community is a family support system. I can tell you that my mom moved in the minute my firstborn was, you know, my firstborn daughter arrived and she was with us until we sent her off to college. You know, she was there to support each other. So you will see a lot of multi-generational families for that same reason. It, it It is very common practice for us to live in different generations in the same household just to save money for the future. Yeah. Um, and just to share some facts, we definitely are world travelers. We definitely, you know, serve in the community. Uh, we are very thankful to be here and every opportunity. And for me, has been an online sales in the home building for so long. It was an opportunity for me to give back. 
right? For all the mentors, all the friends that I made in the home building industry, because they become friends, your coworkers do become yeah. friends and families. Uh, that is just for online. It was just an opportunity. How many customers can I talk to that I can change their lives and just be a guide by providing that, by being curious about where they were coming from, by being empathetic with their situation, yeah. not judgmental. And just being a light to guide them in that process, because I know what it meant for my family to become first homeowners, uh, yeah. to be the first one to become a first homeowner in the family and build that generational wealth that we don't have. Um, you know, for my mom, it just is a different meaning because it's more it means the sacrifice that she made of that previous generation just so my future generations can have more. So oh. it's different, different meanings. I love that. And I think that, um, well, first of all, thank you for sharing like that whole story. And for those of you that are just listening on the podcast, you have to go to YouTube and see these pictures. They're, they're just absolutely adorable. Um, I'm having this like moment where I feel like if I was Raina, when my girls turned 13, I would have this moment of like, look what we have versus where it started when you were 13 and you came to the States. And I like, I'm like got little goose pimples. Um, and I think that what I hope people listening get from your story is that our customers have stories like this. And if we're not asking questions to open up the conversation to truly know what this home means to them, we're missing the heart of the home. We're missing the why behind the buy, right? And I, I know I don't want to steal from your next slides because I kind of know where we're going, but it's so different than how. I would buy. Um, I mean, yes, family is important, but not to this degree, not to like, you know, at all the gatherings and, and all of that, you know, we buy, I buy a house for like, I need an office and I need this. And, and it's, and it's more like functional thought versus like a sense of community. And in that I would need sold differently than you. Absolutely. And I would, yeah, I would need different resources. I would have different conversations. And I think what we need to be mindful of is that we have to take ourselves out of the sales process. Like it has to be about the customer and each customer's story is unique. So how do we like get out of our heads is to understand that everybody's story is different. So I so appreciate you sharing this because your home means so many different things to you than my home means to me. And it's beautiful. Both are beautiful, right? They're just, they're Absolutely. just different. Of yeah. course. And I think that you you said it, like everybody has a different meaning, right? And we just have to be curious about it and just find the why, the intangible, intangible of that reason for for any for any demographic it could be. But this is just related, right? And one of the things that Corey Master share with with the, you know, at IBS that I want to share with you is, is what is cultural empathy? Um, because that's definitely something that to think about, right? And it is the capacity within a person to identify with the feelings, thoughts, and behaviors of individuals from different cultural backgrounds. And, you know, it's definitely that, that connection, that emotional connection, right? That empathy would not be non-judgmental when you're asking these questions and really finding why so you can serve the customer and do better because you know better. Um, and how you can guide them and be, be a solution provider, right? Absolutely. And, yeah. and connect them with them. Um, I want to share some some facts about definitely the Latino community in the U.S. I can believe when I was looking at the census data, we have 62 
million Latinos in the U.S. What? And yes, that's what I was saying. There's a second largest minority group with representing 18% of the population. Crazy. Crazy. Uh, and the crazy thing was that 38 millions are U.S. born Latinos. And when I was showing the photo, that's 60% of what the Latino population is. It really represents my family, right? We've been here 25 years. 60% of those that you saw in those pictures were already, where were you as born? So wow. it really aligns with those numbers as I was looking at, at the data. And because we have larger family size, right? When we're looking at floor plans for new homes, we value the space outside and inside the home. We definitely need those living rooms um, to gather with the family just because they need extra space, that yeah. extra space outside to even have either a soccer game with a family. Um, we are definitely willing to move further outside the city to find to find that space outside or inside the home. Hey, we already moved 3,000 miles away from, from where home What's is. 30 miles at that point, right? <laughs> 30 miles is nothing at that point. I would yeah. say that also a first floor gets bedroom where you're talking about what Latino home, home buying preferences are. We are caring to our parents and taking care of them, but we also are used to having our college students coming back home because in Latin America, there's no on-campus housing at college. There's no senior living facilities per se. So wow. this is always that multi-generational, this you know, community support for the family um, that everything becomes a family affair when it's yeah. like the home buy-in and how do we structure the houses as well. Yeah. And I don't think that that for anybody listening, like that is definitely not exclusive to the Latino community. We see that basically in every culture outside of the United States. <laughs> they prioritize family, <laughs> which I know sounds terrible um, for the United States, but it's true. Most other cultures do anticipate parents moving in with them when they have kids, being responsible for their elder care. Um, and we see across many different diverse cultures that um, multi-generational living, first floor living is super, super important. Um, but I love this because this is that why behind it, right? It's not just, I need to hit that five bedroom count or I need a good resale value, right? It's, right. it's this is how we're gonna live and this is how we're gonna live in this home long-term and serve our family. Yes, and you hit, you shared uh, something that Corey Master shared also at IBS was the we versus me culture. And that's not to anybody's fault. That's just the culture that has been built in different countries. So we have to understand that. Um, and definitely the Latino are fall into that we culture that just include everybody. <laughs> yeah. And with that, they are included in the decision-making process. Like I'm sure you talked with your mom a lot about buying the home. Um, you know, I definitely talked to my parents some, but it wasn't, you know, hey, you know, come in and be a part of this. And where's your space in that home? You know, it was a different conversation. And I think that 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 phrase that me versus we is so important to make sure that you're wearing the right hat when you're helping your customers that you take off if you're a me person like i hate to admit i'm more of a me buyer like i need to take off my me hat and i need to think about if i was a we buyer what would that look like and how would i how would i do things differently so that i can better serve yeah like how you put it together how you put it let's you know put our, our customer hat on yeah. Um, what we're doing all this would definitely have been very curious um, in the process. Um, I was pulling to some data and over the last two decades, the homeownership in the Hispanic community has doubled. Uh, so we are now at 8.1 million Latino homeowners as of 2021. 
And what was interesting, yes, what was interested in the Urban Institute estimates that by 2040, Hispanic homeownerships will grow by 4.8 million, which represents 70% of the growth in the homeownership in the country. And the thing is, we, we forget about that the Latino community, the youth of the Latino community, and definitely the population growth is what is going to increase that need for homeownership, right? Um, this age group for the Latino community, um, I can tell you that it's just growing between Gen Z and millennials and Gen X. Um, so that's where that need for homeownership is going to come from. And I know we're all asking, it's like, where does the Hispanic population, right, resides right now in the U.S.? Um, I can tell you the top three states, and you can see it on the map if you're, if you're watching this video, is definitely California, Texas, and Florida. And among those three states, they host probably about 50% of the Latino population in the U.S. Wow. Wow, that's impressive. Yes, I know this is not data that um, that is that I found, but I'm like, we're always on the south. It looks like we we love the warm weather. <laughs> <laughs> well, who doesn't? I moved from the north to the south just for the warm weather. But what you're going to notice, just like any trend, is that growth always happens outwardly, right? So being um, in any of those southern bordering states and then going up, you're going to see that transition occur, just like we see out of cities, right? That the cities are always the most dense, and then they kind of they kind of grow from there. Um, but yeah, that's that's interesting that of the three states, that's where 50% of the population really resides. And you definitely have definitely Colorado, Jersey, Illinois as well. We have seen a growth in South Carolina, Maryland, Tennessee, and even Louisiana. So you definitely, like you said, it's moving, right? Um, and spreading and that as well. Um, and one of the things that I was just sharing earlier is just the generational cohort for the population in the Latino communities. Uh, two out of three are under the age of 40. So there are between Gen Z, millennials, and Gen X. That's where the majority of the population is. So they are in the prime working years. That means they're in the prime home buying years, right? Yeah. That's, where we, that's where we see in the growth because the generation that came here maybe 30, 40, 50 years ago, those are where the U.S. born Latinos are. Um, so we are definitely seeing that they're working towards an education, you know, college education, because they were born here and they had more opportunities as well. Um, we're also seeing, you know, has a, I was saying, has a family support, Realtor.com reported that 50% of the Latino home buyers reported living with families rent-free or with friends just to be able to save for that first home. And that's the reason we do it too, is definitely because that's the only family we have here in, in the country because everybody else back home and to be able to support that family here and those there um, in order to save. Uh, you will definitely see the population, it's getting mortgage ready. And in order to get mortgage ready, uh, one of the things that you'll find is they're definitely working longer hours or overtime or finding a second job to even drive in an older car. Because back home, I remember walking everywhere, public transportation, yeah. a car was a luxury if you had a car. Um, my parents have never owned a home and have never owned a car. Wow. So that tells you, you know, yeah. the next generation living here um, that a car might not be a luxury. So they'll drive an older car in order to save yeah. for that first home. And it's more than a dream, right? It represents more than the American dream of home ownership because it's like all the sacrifices that we are doing have this value as well.
it's almost like it seems like it's a way to give back to the parents for the sacrifice that they made. Like, I think you felt that way, right? Like, mom, it was worth it. Look what we did. Like, look what we <laughs> created here. Um, so yeah, definitely it's, it's a house, but it's way more than a house at that point when, yes. when it's a whole family, you know, basically legacy. And like you said, that the generational wealth that comes along with that, I mean, if you're always renting, you know, we all know how, how much you're just basically feeding someone else's equity and feeding someone else's investment. Um, and to be able to save and use that family network to save, to be able to create this great investment for your family moving forward, which real estate is always a really killer investment. I mean, it just, it changes your whole, you know, future for your family. That's incredible. Yes. Just when you had sacrifice, right? I said it earlier and it really hits for me a lot just because it's just all the sacrifices that I saw my mom leave everyone home. She didn't get to see her parents again or her siblings or her nieces and nephews. And it's been 30 years. So for me, I know that this sacrifice was for her, for, for her kids, but also for her grandkids and future generations. So it is a whole full circle um, that I'm thankful that she did right at that age. Like I said, it was just shocking. Now it's just, there's just gratitude and just like giving back to her and giving back to others that are in the same scenario, just because they might not know that home ownership builds, you know, generational wealth. Right. Because uh, I think they're seeing what is what it means home for them and they're not seeing that. So definitely educating them. Um, and just to share with you here, Fred and Mac reported uh, last year at the end of no, it was 2021 that 8.3 million Latinos are mortgage ready and under the age of 45. That is a and huge subset of our market that is ready to go. Like, let's ready to go. <laughs> yes. And you know, one of the things that I was just sharing with you, is just that age group, right? Because it's just, we have those three generations that are working and ready to buy homes and more educated um, and just are able to take that next step. So because Hispanic home buyers are first time home buyers, more than 50% of them are first time home buyers. We are twice as likely to rely on FHA financing. Oh, okay. So um, that's one of the things to definitely, you know, take into consideration because that comes with what is the max in a FHA loan, right? Or in specific counties or specific cities or states, that is something to take in consideration where you're serving the Latino community. I know affordability is definitely one of the things that we're looking, but that is a challenge across, um, you know, the country, but that is probably for another another session for you, Abby. Yeah, um, I, I, that's exactly what I wrote before you got to that slide. I was just <laughs> scribbling. What about keeping housing affordable so that they can qualify yes. for an FHA loan? Absolutely, definitely. For oh. Hispanic home buyers, are definitely more in that. You know, I don't want to put a, 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 a probably what the cost is, but right in the three hundreds, probably where we see the most three hundred thousand for pricing, and is because the annual salary across the country for the Latino community is 55,000 a year. That's the household income. But if you want to purchase a median price home, you need at least 68,000. Yeah. Right? But yeah. that's that's another reason why we have to combine households in order to, you know, obtain our first home yeah. and save that money just because the, the affordability is not there. Um and definitely one thing that I remember seeing on the data as I was doing the research is because of the age group of the Latino community right now, 
there is a light at the end of the tunnel, right? There's a 65% labor participation. And again, they're working, home buyers, you know, that is where the future, that's, you know, where we see the growth. Um, one of the facts that I found, um, Abby, too, is what is the most frequently spoken language other than English? If anybody took a foreign language in high school or college, um, I hope it was Spanish. <laughs> my, my German and Latin did not do me any good when it comes to contributing to the United States. Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen this slide. You, you showed me this one before. And I don't know why. I mean, of course, Spanish is the second largest spoken language. But when you see those stats, I and for those of you that aren't, aren't um, watching, it's estimated that there's almost 42 million Spanish speaking uh, folks in the United States. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, it's, it's definitely uh, neat to see, right? Because there's still that, what, 32 to 34 million Latinos that are foreign born. So it's really nice to be able to serve to them and connect with them and communicate in their own language. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to share that stack as well, right? I, and I know, I know, again, I know you're going to kind of go down this, this rabbit hole, but I want to pause before you get there. Uh, my first instinct when you shared me that with me, that number was as a person who sees this huge opportunity of individuals that are ready to buy homes, this huge, you know, opportunity of individuals who want housing, right? Um, if I was selling homes today, how can I help them? Well, I don't speak Spanish and I can honestly count on my hand the amount of people I've worked with in my 17 years that do speak Spanish. That's taking you out of it, Raina. <laughs> like, okay, I'm down to like four then, right? So it's crazy that like, I feel like we as an industry aren't ready to serve them. And I know you're going to talk about that. So I'll, I'll let yes. you go. But I, I want to take a pause that. and say, are you ready to help these, these folks? Are you ready to to be part of this next generation of housing. And I just don't think we're ready yet. I hope we are definitely getting there closer, at least with some yeah. real, real life solutions, right? Uh, just like you were saying, for that 38 million, and we have 8.3 million that are ready to buy, how are we communicating and connecting with them? Yeah. Definitely the solution is creating content in Spanish, you know, online, or in printed materials, that, that definitely is the first start. This slide that here that I share is from New Home Source. They did the research over a decade ago um, and created their website in Spanish to be able to connect with more buyers, especially in those markets like Texas, Florida, and California that we were talking about. What a better way to offer transparency and, and also show that we care we hear you and that, uh, you know, we value your community. So this is definitely one of the things I always, you know, make it, make a joke about don't use Google translate. If you're trying to put content out there, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, because that would definitely translate word by word. And it's just not going to make sense. Well, and we've had that we've had where folks have tried to make like model home signage <laughs> that is, you know, in Spanish and it's just an epic fail. So I think we need more resources of folks who can help us translate appropriately. Let, yes. Let's not use Google. Absolutely. Let's give it to the pros. <laughs> yeah. So I can tell you a story about MI Homes. We had a community that it was realtor-based referral and brought a lot of customers from Rocha. 
And we went ahead and translated the contract in Russian just to be able to offer transparency because it's hard to sign a contract when you don't understand the language and how the, you're feeling comfortable, you know, signing the data line. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, let's take a time out and talk about that for a second. One huge kudos at my homes for doing that. Like that is incredible. And you know, that whole concept, like right now, if I was to, if I was to move to, let's say, I don't know, any other country, let's say I was to move, you know, to a Spanish speaking country and I had to sign a contract in Spanish, I would be so nervous. I would be so nervous because I, I don't know Spanish. I wouldn't know what it's saying. And it's either I'm going to hope that my realtor isn't leading <laughs> me astray or I'm just going to sign blindly. And, and I know the counteract is like, how many people really read their full contract? Well, honestly, probably not that many. They should, but they don't feel distrustful because they could read it if they wanted to. Right. And I think that if if every home builder basically is going to be serving, you know, diverse populations, how can we create templated contracts? They're so they're they're generic. We use the same corporate contract in every state. You just add different addendum. How difficult would it really be to provide contracts in alternate languages? Um, I don't, I don't know. I'm not the legal team, but it sounds like MI figured it out. So I'm sure other builders can. I think we, I think we can go great. that extra mile. Yes, you're right. We can go the extra mile, right? We're not saying it's just study your market. What yeah. is your buyer's demographic and study your market and where that is needed to be able to take that step and go the extra mile to connect with those buyers that you have. Right. I'm just giving you here the example of the Latino community because that's definitely near to my heart. You know, I was definitely uh, foreign born and I want to make sure that we give you a little bit more uh, stats and data and just tools on how to communicate and serve um, the home buyers. Love it. So definitely that's one of them. Another example is our creative team, along with marketing and online sales team, are creating content, video content in Spanish every week. Uh, this happens in, for the Florida markets, but it's just a way to connect and have someone that speaks Spanish that can connect with the buyers, you know, and serving them. And it, I'm sure it just, just feel comfortable, you know, that they don't have to think about what they're going to say and translate every thought because yeah. a lot can be lost in translation, right? Sometimes we um, have side support an online sales team of 25 online sales counselors across the country. One of the things that I've talked to them about is, Maybe sometimes we need to take that communication to writing, right? Via text, via email. If you don't speak the language, just because customers will have to translate it, process oh. it, and ask questions, yeah. right? So sometimes it doesn't have to be Spanish, just any language that the customer might be the second language. Right. Because uh, the process of buying a home is different in every country. And yeah. if they have to do it in another language, it's just extra steps and stress. <laughs> yeah. And like, also we in America, we speak very fast. I'm, I know I speak way too fast and I try to slow it down, especially for the podcast. Cause when I re-listen, I feel like I'm the micro machine man, but imagine if it's not your first language and then you're trying to slow it down. You're trying to process it. It can be very overwhelming. And I know in my sales experience, I, I did have a few neighborhoods where I sold to folks from different cultures and often there was many, there was like a whole family trying to gather information and it felt overwhelming for me to get all these rapid fire questions. But I think it was also, they were all there to help them interpret what was being said, you know, like where they would then say, well, what, what did she say? Or what did that mean? Or, you know, they would ask each other to try to basically 
group translating me so that they could understand what was happening. And it's like, oh gosh, there's got to be a better way. I absolutely love that you guys have these resources already in place um, to help. Like you said, the like and the trust factor are huge. And um, home purchase is a big decision. It's a lot of money. It's a huge investment. And if we can, if whatever we can do to increase that like and trust factor is, is going to be huge. Yeah. And like you said, this is also emotional, you know, purchase too. So, and there a lot can be laws in translation. So just give them the space and time to process, translate and ask those questions that sometimes we need to take it to writing and definitely ask what the preferred method of contact is or communicate just because they might have to include one of the younger generations to translate it. Right. And then include another family member on thoughts and, and everything else, because it might be as a family affair for us. At least it is. Yeah. Um, you know, you were asking, you were sharing about signing contracts. And I did put this example here because guaranteed rate and cross country mortgage translated everything online and on paper to Spanish to be able to offer that transparency, because financing is another biggest part of home purchasing. You know, it's just a lot of questions, a lot of disclaimers. And like you were saying, you go to maybe Mexico and buy an investment property. What if you were to sign those in Spanish? And there's just a lot that you wouldn't understand. So it's just an opportunity for us to, as an industry, offer transparency um, and create the trust for the customer on signing, you know, all these documents or those legal documents. For sure. That's a big one. Yeah. Um and I know you mentioned it earlier, but my biggest, probably one of the biggest one is um, definitely connect and partner with, with anybody in the industry that knows the nuances of the Hispanic community, right? Attorneys, inspectors, um, just anybody that will probably work any in the mortgage industry as well. But what I wanted to share with you is why not hire a skilled Spanish professor, professionals to represent you on the face-to-face -face with a customer, right? Because they will bring a different perspective. They'll be able to connect and communicate through the whole process. It really creates that trust, but also the Hispanic community is very loyal. What is going to also, a ripple effect, is create all the referrals, bringing their families and friends to you. Um, the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals has 40,000 members register. And those are most likely 40,000 realtors that are bilingual. Yeah. That can help what a, you. What a great group of folks for us to form relationships with for them to be realtors on deals, but also to like recruit, like come work for us, <laughs> right? Like come, come and work for us. Let's help. And I, you know, I think that, um, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion is such a huge, very important topic in home building just because we we continue to miss the mark on really being a diverse and, and equitable and inclusive industry. But this is this is the mindset, right? Like we want to serve and we want to help. And the best way for us to do that is to understand it more. And we need those folks to come and work for home building. And so that we can be educated and we can be empathetic and we can be all of these wonderful things that Rain is teaching us because we don't know what we don't know. And that's why we need to have more conversations like this so we can do better. Because when you know better, you do better. Um, and I love that concept of like, where can we go and who can we form these relationships with to provide a better customer experience? Because having a bilingual realtor or, um, you know, 
project manager. My gosh, like how great would that be Absolutely. to have you Oh know, my project goodness. managers and, and construction team members who are, you know, either, you know, Spanish as a first language even, but let alone bilingual would be great. <laughs> be really great. Yes, the spot on, right? Having even someone in construction because you're going to have to meet with a builder on side and there's just a lot that can get lost in translation. Homes are built totally different in other countries, right? And how to take care of those. Remember, I grew up in Honduras. I didn't have air conditioning <laughs> growing up, right? So it's totally, totally different. So things that I needed to be probably indicated as a homeowner on what to take care of and how to do the maintenance of all those So somebody in construction being on site for those customers. Um, again, I'm given the example of the Latino community, but just in, just in any language or in the lending department, right? We're talking about those disclosures. So hire those that will be able not just to connect, but communicate um, just for referrals. You also mentioned something was if your employees are willing to learn the language, right, to invest in them. And why not learn that second language or they'll be able to communicate with more customers that way too. Um, I always tell my daughters, I, I made them definitely take Spanish through high school, uh, but just learn a third language because we travel all over the world and I want them to be able to just, you know, don't be afraid and just learn another language and another culture wherever they go. Yeah. Um, and to be able to connect, just can relate and just be empathetic too. Yeah. Um, You also touch on my, you know, as I'm getting ready to, for, for the end, as a National Home Builders Association, uh, we definitely are having an initiative and focus on DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, you know, being Latina, one of the stereotypes is that we love to dance, salsa, whatever, you know, genre might be. And I definitely fit that stereotype. I'm not saying that I'm the best dancer. I just love to dance. Uh, but I want to leave you with this, right? Uh, when you're thinking about Liz Dance and when you're thinking about DEI, um, dance, um, you know, diversity is when everyone gets invited to the party. You get invited to the party, Right. Inclusion is when you are the party and you get asked to dance, right? So we're giving everybody, again, included in the party, not just being a number there or being represented there, but including to dance. And equity is how much space on the floor you get. Oh, And we want everybody to become homeowners, right? That is, that is the American dream. Um, the, also, everybody has a desire for belonging. And that is when you get to choose the music. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm Just, taking you notes. know. I'm taking notes. So many notes. I hope if you're listening, you you pause and you take notes. I have never had um, DEI explained so beautifully, Reina. I think that's a great analogy. I think we all understand the concept of diversity, right? Like everybody needs a seat at the table, but to be able to you know, be invited to be a part of that conversation and then to let a large part of your voice be heard are totally different things. And there's, um, there's so much value to adding that to our workforce and then being mindful of if we can, if we can create a workforce that's more, um, mindful of DEI, then we can better serve our customers in a more diverse way. Um, because we're going to be more mindful. Before our call, I did a little bit more digging on DEI because this is something I want to continue to <clears throat> learn and grow and and um, educate myself on. And one of the things that I came across was talking about um, 
equity being not the same as equality and equity being more acknowledging that each person is starting from a different place and giving them the tools to get them all to the same level. And I thought about that with our conversation today and these tools that you mentioned, like uh, new home source in Spanish, you know, guaranteed raping in Spanish contracts in, you know, other languages, that's a form of equity. That's saying, hey, we know that you're not fluent in English. We're going to give you the tool to help get you there so that you're making as transparent as a decision as any one of our other home buyers. So it's not just throwing up a sign and saying, you know, one sign in Spanish doesn't really get it done, <laughs> right? It doesn't really, it, it might, that might be like, hey, you're invited, right? That might, yes. that, that, <laughs> but that's not necessarily making them feel super welcome and like they're a part of the conversation. And even better if there's an employee that can sit with them and guide them through these conversations. And so these are those stacking levels, those plus ones that get us there. And, and I know, obviously we're talking about the Latino population because that's, that's you and that's, you know, your heart and your mission. But I love that you said earlier, be mindful of who you serve. Each market has a different demographic, right? Um, different cultures do immigrate in, in pods, so to speak, right? Like they stay together. They like that sense of community where they're going. So if you yes. are in a highly, um, you know, Russian culture or Indian culture or Hispanic culture, whatever that is, be mindful of who you're serving within your network and be available to them, be accessible to them, invite them to the table, make them feel welcome and do the same when it comes to employment. Um, and that may mean that you need to reach out to Arena. <laughs> to learn more about where, where are these folks and how can we get them? I didn't even think this is so terrible, but I'm willing to admit all my flaws. I didn't even think about a national association of Hispanic realtors. Like what a great group of people that we definitely home builders should 100% be aligning with, um, to see how we can serve. And I'm sure every different cultural, um, <clears throat> pod that's out there has representation in some form, uh, whether it be small or large that we can contact with. Absolutely. There's so many. I can even, I can probably start listing, but definitely can give you a list of resources has the three of us that spoke at IBS put together, right? Because you're thinking about maybe the National Association of the Chamber of Commerce, right? Yeah. We have 4.6 million, right? Listed there. So there's just a lot of other opportunities. Um, for me, to be honest, is a way to give back. I think the home building industry has given me a career, has given me definitely that safe place and for my family and for my future generations as well. Um, and I just see it just because I'm a servant leader, just in any role that I have taken is just how can I give back what I, you know, learn and got like 20 years ago. And I started that journey in this industry, but also as an homeowner, um, I just wanted to be able to give others the same. Oh. Well, I love it. Your, your giving and kind heart shows my dear in everything that you do. I'm so grateful that you came on and chatted with us. If people want to find you, where should they go? How can they stalk you online to, to reach out and connect if they just want to say, Hey, or if they've got a question for you? Yes. Uh, I am on LinkedIn, right? If you're about definitely real estate and home builder, I'm active mostly on Facebook because I, I usually post all my world travels there. Um, and Instagram, most of, you know, some of the times, but I'm in all those three, three platforms right now. 
Wonderful. All right. I, I will uh, put some contact information below to, to, for Raina in the show notes so that if you guys want, you can, um, I'll probably put your LinkedIn in there. Just keep it professional as much as you can. Yes. So you don't get inundated. Um, but I, I want to thank you again. I love having my homegirls on here chatting about all of the amazing stuff that we're doing to make this industry that we all love even better for the next generation. So thank you all for tuning in and I will see you next week. Thanks, Raina. Thanks, Abby.